Welcome to Entering the Void. My name is Mark Bind from Wayo Talks and I'm looking forward to continuing our discussion with Dr. Yvette de Villiers. In the first episode, we spoke about astrology and astronomy, particularly how it related to the year 2020. In our second episode, we discussed the photon belt and the implications thereof. In this episode, we move towards metaphysical philosophy, and we're going to begin this discussion by exploring the self and the shift. Yvette, how do you actually define the self? Mark, so um, so I, I always talk to people about a tree. So I always say to them, imagine yourself as a tree. Um, you have your roots, which is your, your ego-based consciousness, which is currently manifested in this physical reality. Then you have your trunk, which is your awareness of self. And then you'll have your higher self, which in our interview I described as the part of us that knows. Um, and this is your, your the part of your consciousness that's actually in a higher reality or a dimension um, higher or deeper than the physical reality that we are currently in. Um, what I would, would like to do to sort of simplify um, the explanation is to first just talk a little bit about the ego consciousness, about the ego itself and its purpose. Yeah. Okay. And then talk about the higher consciousness, the higher self and its purpose. Um, and then the disconnect and the reconnect between those two. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot is said about the ego and I suspect there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the ego is. Can you perhaps explain that a bit further for us? Yes, I think that that um, when sort of awareness of, of this nature of consciousness came about, or sort of in the 60s and 70s, uh, there was definitely a lot of vilifying of the ego, you know, and to sort of be in ego is a bad thing, you know, and, and to be ego-based is a bad thing. And I think definitely a, a goal for me in our, in our podcast today is just to clear a little bit of that up. Um, the ego is actually the part of our psyche that is in charge of our survival. So because we have an ego, we don't die from exposure. We, we don't walk into a fire. You know, we, we don't sort of just immerse ourselves in water. It's the part of our awareness that keeps us safe. You know, and it's a very important part of our awareness. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a part of us that, that allows us to survive in physical, biological bodies. Um, in our current reality, which is Earth. So there's nothing bad about it. There's nothing negative about it. But the problem comes in, um, if you can recall in our, our previous discussions, when we were in deep space. So in our um, in our sort of tour around our star, our 26,000-year tour around our star, at the place where we are in the deepest space, so the deepest removed from the photon belt, the furthest removed, about 5,000 years ago now. Um, our oscillation frequency is very low and our coherence is very low. And what happened there is there then became a disconnect upon incarnation between the ego self, which is based survival-based, and the higher self, which wants to learn and grow through the method of an incarnation. So is this like the the leaves of the tree are disconnected from the roots? That's so correct. perhaps the trunk has, has shrunk down and, and that connection is just much weakened. It's much weakened and it's not that it's it doesn't happen properly anymore because the 
the oscillation frequency and coherence on the higher self is quite high. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the survival-based frequencies and, and coherence of the ego is quite low. And for these two to come together, um, there needs to be an environment that is conducive to that. And our environment that far away from the photon belt does not seem to be conducive of that connection staying intact. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about higher self. So the higher self is the part of us that wants to learn and grow through the experience of a physical incarnation on Earth. Um, I think it's worth noting that from what we know in metaphysical philosophy, it's a huge effort to, to, to actually orchestrate an incarnation and then maintain that incarnation is a massive effort on behalf of the higher self. Well, I'm sure a lot of people resonate with that. Being on Earth feels like a lot of effort. It feels like a lot of effort, but it's more complicated than that, Mark. And I would like to share a personal experience with you. Um, And I think it's important that I do, because metaphysical philosophy can become very abstract very quickly. Mm. So I've I've actually got a few personal experiences to share in these next two podcasts. Oh, great. um, Just to make it more relatable. Yeah. And, and this question of why, um, why being incarnate is traumatic is something that has plagued me for, for, for all of my life. I can remember as a child, um, upon waking, being completely sort of distracted, distraught even, taking anything from half an hour to two hours to what my mother at the time called surface where you sort of couldn't touch me or talk to me. It was very difficult for me to transition from sleep into waking time all throughout my life as a child and and certainly as an adult as well, although I've become more addicted. And this issue had been bothering me for all my life. So um, last year, in March 2020, when it became apparent that we were going to be spending a prolonged period of time at home, um, and, and, and in lockdown, I initially closed the practice for the first five weeks because we thought that was all that it would be at the time. And I set a goal for myself that I would like to have a dream that um, explains this to me. Mm-hmm. So that explains, and at that point in time, my own incarnational trauma to me. Um, what was very interesting is it took about nine weeks to have that dream. So it took about nine weeks of virtual isolation on my own on the farm where I live in the Winelands, um, to actually become calm enough and, and, and quiet enough and clear enough to be able to extract this wisdom from what I believe to be my higher consciousness. And I'm just going to explain the dream to you in, or relate the dream to you in, uh, in short. So I dreamt that I was walking through the mountains. Um, it was the Friendship Pass where you sort of gradually come up the other side. Um, I met up with a group of people who told me that they're on their way to a camp. Um, I said to them that I want to join them, and then um, when I've sort of accompanied them there, I'm going to be on my way. It was agreed. Ended up in this camp um, and started feeling quite disorientated and as if I didn't know where I belonged. Um, Everybody was going about their business. I felt out of sorts. I felt I didn't know where my things were. I eventually asked somebody working in a cafeteria in this camp to please just tell me where I am and what I'm doing there. Nobody knew what I was talking about. 
And eventually a lady actually looked up and said to me, I recognize you. And she called me by my name, which I at that moment in the dream recognized as a name from a previous time that mm. I was here. And this was completely shocking and devastating to me because I realized that I had reincarnated into this space. I then stood on a, a sort of a rise in the stream and I looked at the camp and water was rising up and it basically covered everything in the camp. This lady that had recognized me then came and stood next to me and said to me, yes, you know, this happens every day. The water comes and immerses everything. It basically washes the whole camp away and tomorrow morning we have to start over again. At which time I then woke up. I knew it was the dream. I knew it was the dream that I'd been asking for. And I set about the next couple of weeks to sort of analyze and understand what it was that I'd been told. And I came to the conclusion that this is incarnation. I definitely felt that I had tricked myself into this incarnation. I definitely felt that I would maybe not have come of my own volition. I felt that there was a higher sort of element of my psyche that had tricked myself into coming, and I felt angry about that. Mm. It was about witnessing and acknowledging that anger and working through it. And then I also came to the conclusion that this rising of the water, which in metaphysical philosophy symbolizes the subconscious, so oceans, water, bodies of water symbolize the subconscious, um, and, then, and then the washing away of everything and then having to start the next day over again, for me it had the symbology of the trauma that happens to the, the ego in our current state of being without the connection to the higher self. Um, and for me, what, what I concluded from that was that I don't think this is how it is meant to be. Mm. I think that our connection to our higher self actually needs to be maintained, integrated and maintained so that during sleep we can tra transition into the state of, of, of higher coherence that that part of us that knows actually resides in. And that we are, in fact, meant to spend our sleeping hours in that state of being, resting, um, recovering, and making sense of our experience on earth. And then coming back into wakefulness in the morning, restored and ready for a next day of learning. And I think that certainly for myself up to that point, and, and for a lot of us, that isn't actually the case. Well, it seems that very few people live in connection with their higher selves, and I'd say even fewer people even know of the existence of the higher self. Yes, Mark, and I think that is why life on Earth is so traumatic for us. Because I think currently in our sleeping state, our ego just tries to make sense of the trauma of the day. Mm. Um, if you speak to, to people, and, and certainly in the practice I speak to a lot of people who reiterate traumatic and, and, and even terrifying night experiences. And when we break it down, it's literally trying to make sense of, of things that they've experienced on earth in an what we call unawakened state or without the reality of, of there being something better. So, so I came to the conclusion that in our current state, without this active, um, actively integrated, maintained connection to our higher awareness, we basically live in a state of perpetual trauma. 
because we, we experience life from a survival-based state, um, and then we sleep at night and we try and make sense of that in time for the next day's survival-based state. So our entire existence is within the ego state of trying to survive. That's right. And, and I think that, that for, for who we are um, in, our, in our nature of our consciousness as, as universal beings, I think that is extremely traumatic. I think it's the reason we age. I think it's the reason we get sick. And I think it's, it's one of the big reasons we, we actually die prematurely. Um, you know, we know that in our, in our, as biological forms in our current environment, we could live up easily up to 120 years of age. Yeah. You know, but we don't. And I think that, that this, this sort of perpetual state of trauma that our psyche is in, without this connection to the part of us that knows or our higher consciousness, is a hugely contributing factor to that. Yeah. What needs to happen to, to shift this? So, so the higher self, the, the part of us that knows, only wants to reconnect with the self and, and with the ego self. Um, and it will try anything and everything to make this reconnection happen. And this is sort of a, just as a side note, just to give you a bit of, of background there, one of the big issues that I have with our current system of, of material materialism and material-based security um, that we spoke about in the interview as well, um, that is sort of currently crumbling, and that is that it makes the ego feels safe in this world that it has created, and it negates the need for a connection with a higher self or a higher wisdom. Mm. So not only are you sitting with a situation where with the, the connection to the higher self being cut off, which is the highest of being the CEO of the company, if you will. Um, the two I see now being in charge, being the ego, which has survival as, it, as its goal, the, the two I see is also not interested in having the CEO back. You know, and, and that, to me, is, is something that with this introduction of materialism and the opportunity that it gives for a relative sense of safety in material wealth, or at least the striving there towards, actually dumps down the, the ego's sense of a need to, to actually be connected with the higher self. And so the higher self has to work very hard to try and get the ego's attention. And often what we then see is that it brings about a crisis. So 99% of the time when people come and see me in my private practice and want some advice, it's because they are in crisis. And it's because they are in a crisis um, the size of which they can no longer work out with their ego or with their ego-based consciousness. And I often hear them saying to me, I've tried everything. I've gone the medical route. You know, I've put my business into business rescue. I've had relationship counseling. I've tried everything in, in, that I know of to try and resolve my, my crisis and come into a state of comfort, and I'm just not getting there. And now I'm ready to look at a metaphysical solution, Meta metaphysical being larger than physical. Mm. Um, so this is what we see. We see the, the, the highest of going to extraordinaries by actually creating crisis, which, which shouldn't be a normal part of life. You know, we shouldn't be living in, from crisis to crisis or from trauma to crisis. Um, it's, I think that that 
that part of what happens in our manifestations of our world is actually our higher self trying to reach us to, to facilitate the reconnect to our higher wisdom. Yeah. So what can people do to um, create this reconnection between the higher self and the ego? So Mark, our current evolutionary development mental trajectory we most of us are dominated by our ego consciousness, which is this perpetual need for survival, ends in destruction. And the reason for that is because the ego consciousness um, is based in fear. As we said previously, this is actually a very natural thing, because without fear we won't survive. We die of exposure from not wearing clothing, we'd walk into fire, we wouldn't be afraid of snow or rain. So we need fear. But without the, the, the overriding wisdom of the higher self-connection, the fear takes over and starts becoming the basis of our decision-making processes and our choices. Um, I think you'd agree with me that if you have to speak to the decision-makers when nations go to war, these people would say to you that they didn't feel they had a choice. They felt under threat and they didn't have a choice. You know? And, and I think that is sort of the essence of it, because in order to overcome fear as a, as a driving factor for our decisions and our actions, we actually have to reframe fear itself. And there's a very simple little exercise that I use for myself and that I recommend for my clients in the practice, which I'll take you through now. And I would actually recommend or, or invite our viewers to maybe give a try. Um, and that is where you actually sit and you, you walk yourself through the worst that could happen when you are experiencing anxiety or fear. So you sort of say to yourself, okay, what is the worst that could possibly play out in this instance that I'm fearing or that I'm feeling anxious about? And you properly witness that and you properly acknowledge it. And then you ask yourself, how would I feel an hour after the event? How would I feel a day after the event? And how would I feel a week and then a month after the event? It's, it's an incredibly powerful exercise to do because it walks us through the worst possible case scenario and then walks us out the other side. Yeah. So it's like facing your fear. Exactly. <clears throat> so a lot of people have a fear of public speaking. So say, for example, if they imagined being on stage and forgetting their lines mm-hmm. and they contemplate, well, what's the worst that would happen? feel a bit embarrassed for a few days perhaps and they could just explore those feelings. If they could explore those feelings and, and interestingly enough um, Mark, we actually recover quite quickly you know, and I've, I've had a recent experience of that myself where something that I've been fearing for months actually happened. It was traumatic. I did find my way through. I felt better the day after. I felt better the week after and now about a, a couple of weeks later I I just can't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Remember what happened. What I what I also do, especially when people suffer from anxiety, you know, a lot of people specifically come and see me because they suffer from debilitating anxiety, is I take them through this exercise and at that crux where the thing that they fear or feel anxious about is not happening, I ask them, Will you die? And in a lot of the cases the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And, and, and our fear is, in fact, a fear of death. The ego fears its own termination. And, and in a lot of cases, and, and this is part of what we'll get into when we do the 12 Steps to Mastery course, is 
mastering our fear. Understanding that for a lot of people, that activation of this worst-case scenario is actually a technique of the ego to get adrenaline going because they have adrenal burnout. And the ego knows that by activating this fear response, it's activating adrenaline and therefore ensuring survival. And and that anxiety is actually a, a very protracted and interesting survival technique. That, that people's psyche implements to keep them going. And, and often if I sort of explain that and get into that with people, you know, we've got 50% of the anxiety sort of out there yeah. just by understanding what is actually going on in the body and in the psyche. Okay. What other exercises could people do to, to work more from the higher self? So I call it active reconnection with the higher self. Um, the higher self being the part of us that knows is also the part of us that has access to divine solutions. So divine solution is, is an answer that works for everyone. And personally, I think that they are the best solutions out there um, because not only do you have your own problem solved, you also have the satisfaction of working towards a, a resolution that works for everyone. And the higher self, the part of us that knows, has these divine solutions. So there's a lot of incentive in, in, in working with active reconnection with the higher self. There's three ways in which we can do this. The first being meditation. Um, so just sort of sitting in a state of, of calming the mind, of um, letting thoughts run out. We'll get into that in the class next to mastery as well, is how to meditate effectively and how to use creative visualization to create our world. Um, The second is time in nature, and there I again have a very personal experience to reiterate, um, which is is my time recently in Makaranga Gardens, Makaranga Garden Lodge in Kuzadamantau. I've been visiting the lodge, which is owned by a very, very dear friend of mine for about 15 years, Um, and it's a a lodge situated in a botanical garden of which I've brought some slides along, which we'll also look at just to give you a sense of atmosphere. Um, the vegetation is lush. The bird life is ample. You can literally go into these, this garden and immerse yourself in nature. And I felt very depleted after COVID. Um, I felt my life was energy was very low. Um, I had quite a lot of anxiety around how long it's going to continue, when I would be able to go back to full-time work, what that would look like. Um, and I also felt that my fight against this virus had actually drained my life's energy. And spending time in the garden, I could literally feel day by day how I was getting better and how I was reconnecting um, through what I believed to be my coherence increasing and also my oscillation frequency going up, increasing. And that basically comes from nature being perfect. Um, mm. I don't know if you're aware of the Fibonacci principle or the golden mean, which is the ratios in the development of a plant or a shell um, or a flower, and that ratio being perfectly balanced. And, and I believe we, we take that in when we're in nature. I believe that our eye sees it and starts to reorganize ourselves, our own internal balance accordingly. And, um, and that's actually true for any nature. You know, you don't have to go and spend your time in a huge, lush garden like this. You can sit under a tree. Mm-hmm. You can sit in your own garden. You know? So that's an immediate place where this um, 
connection to the higher consciousness can happen due to an increase in our coherence in our thoughts and our oscillation frequency of the subatomic matter in our system. Yeah. And you've also spoken about the oscillation frequency of the sounds of nature exactly. being higher than the average for humanity. Yes, definitely that. And then also asking for connection. You know, it's such a simple thing, mm. but if we actually sit in a, in, a, in a natural environment, we still our thoughts and we set the intention of reconnecting with a part of us that knows. That is huge. You know, I, I often say to people, it's like imagining yourself in a room and knocking on the wall in the hope that there's somebody on the other side that will knock back. And then, you know, imagine your surprise when that actually happens. Um, we'll also go into that a little bit later on as to how to get our system clear enough um, at the end of, of the next podcast, I'll give an exercise there on how to actually do a very specific meditation of clearing our energy, raising our coherence, and then connecting with the part of us that knows. So knocking on the door instead of the wall. Oh, yes, you could say that. Um, the other aspect in terms of, of shifting and reframing this sort of fear-based reality that we're currently in is, is learning how to care. Yeah. So can you just remind people what CARE actually stands for? So CARE is an acronym for Consciously Activated Resonance Energy. So if we seek to consciously activate resonance energy with those around us, with the people in our world, with nature, with the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, we can't do that while we're angry. Mm. Um, we can't do that while we're holding a grudge. We can't do that while we're holding on to hurt. Mm. You know, and past trauma and past issues. Yeah. And I suspect, you know, the anger and the hurt and the trauma is also keeping us away from our higher selves. That's correct. So if we look at ourselves as a collective consciousness, then um, shifting out of fear-based um, decision-making into care means that we have to work through our past trauma. And then through working through our past trauma, we automatically increase our oscillation frequency and our coherence, which brings us closer to our higher self. And then it enables us, it's a bridge that we then build across the self. So it's from the roots, which is the ego-based consciousness, through the self, which is the self-aware human being, into the higher self. And the work then would be to integrate and then maintain this sort of holistic way of being. Okay, well, I really look forward to finding out more about that. And in the next episode, we are talking about the nature of consciousness. Yeah, that's good. So I look forward to seeing you then. Fantastic. Thank you.